in um, one of the Gospels, Jesus is recorded as saying uh, that man can't live by bread alone, right? not even bread with cheese on top, right? but that we also need to, uh, to hear from God. Right? We depend on every word that comes from his mouth. And it's with that in mind that we spent uh, part of our Wednesday night fellowship time together opening up the Bible and hearing what God has to say. Uh, one of our core convictions is that there is a God and he is not silent, that he has spoken. And he's spoken intelligibly. And we can actually get to know him and get to know ourselves, get to know more about this world and how to live the good life because he has spoken. And this semester we are asking, um, what does it mean to have good relationships? We said that the quality of our life is best measured by the quality of our relationships, uh, our relationship with God, with ourself, with, uh, with others, with the world. And these are all relationships that Jesus has come to make good and right and whole again. Uh, he does that by reconciling us to God, first of all. But then once we get reconciled to God, God's love begins to flow into us, and then it can, begins to sort of flow out of us as well. It's not unlike a sprinkler system. Right? Jesus reconnects us to our Heavenly Father. His love then flows into us, and then it sort of flows out, watering the relationships around us in that order. As we saw the very first week, we love because he first loved us. Today, we're going to be talking about one of those relationships that his love sort of waters, right? Our friendships. I want to talk to you today about the importance of having good friends, uh, of being a good friend, and what it means that Jesus is our best friend. I want to start with sort of this idea, uh, the importance of our friends. The way that our culture uh, relates to friendship is complicated. Uh, It both celebrates friendship and sidelines friendship at the same time. On the one hand, we love friends. And I'm not just talking about the TV show. Friends are good. (laughs) Um, They're just good in the same ways that french fries are good. You can take them or you leave them. They're good, but on the side. What we all want, what we're all after, sort of the main course, is sex. Culturally speaking, that's what's most important. The God of the Bible sees things a little bit differently. See, according to his wisdom, you can live a good, fully human life without sex, but you cannot live a good, fully human life without friends. From God's perspective, sex is optional, but friendship is essential. Having good friends is not just better or more important than having sex. The love you get from a friend is better, more important than the love you can even get from your family. And that's a really radical thing to say, especially when you consider the people who produce the Bible, that is the people to whom God gave his word to first, right? They put family above all else. Family was the most important thing to them. Not sex, not friends, family. But God says to us through them, the love you get from family is good, but the love that you can get from a friend can be even better. Take a look up here. There's two Proverbs. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man of many companions comes to ruin but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And then Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. Okay, both of these Proverbs up here, they acknowledge the importance of family. You can count on your family to help you out when the chips are down. However, a good friend sticks closer than a brother. The word stick 
in that sentence is the Hebrew word to cleave. Cleaving is covenantal language. To cleave means to join oneself to. It sounds like for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, I'm with you and I am for you and I am not going anywhere. It's how husbands relate to their wives. It's how God relates to his people and it's how best friends relate to one another. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Look at Proverbs 17, 17. It says, A brother is born for adversity, but a friend loves at all times. Your brother may bail you out of jail, but that doesn't mean he wants to hang out with you afterwards. A friend, however, loves at all times. A friend is with you and for you on the rainy days, yes, but it's also with you and for you on those sunny days too. A friend isn't going to bail you out because he has to, because you're family. A friend's going to bail you out because he wants to, because he likes you, because he chooses you and chooses to. This is the key difference between friends and family. You don't get to choose your family, but you do get to choose your friends. In some ways, God gives us our family with a set of instructions. Learn how to love these hard-to-love people. And I promise they feel the same way about you. Learn how to love these hard-to-love people. We don't get to choose our family, but we do get to choose our friends. We get to choose them, and they get to choose us. And that is what makes a friend so special. They're not there by duty. They are there by choice. And that, someone choosing to be with you, is what you want more than anything else in the whole wide world. This is not just true of the women in the room. It's true of the men too. More than anything, all of you want to be seen, want to be known, want to be loved, want to be chosen. More than anything else, you want a friend. You can live the good life without sex, but you cannot live the good life without a friend, because is what you want, most of all. Someone to choose you, who likes you, who wants to be with you. This brings us to an important point. Friends are important. We don't just want them, we need them. But we can't be friends with everybody. You can't be friends with everybody, and if you try, you are a fool. Those who try to have, those who want to be friends with everybody, those who try, have relationships that are a mile wide. Like they know everybody, but they're an inch deep. Their, their relationships are often very superficial and shallow. Look at Proverbs 18:24 uh, uh, again. Thank you, Steve. This will sound familiar to your ears. It says, A man of many companions comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer uh, than a brother. What the Bible is saying is that it's better to have one really good friend than a thousand Facebook friends. A man of many companions, say a man with many Facebook friends, comes to ruin. But there is a true friend who sticks closer than a brother. Companions come cheap and easy with a click of a button. But real friendships take time and energy 
They demand presence. You actually need to practice being together. Because there are only 24 hours in a day, you can't be two places at once, though our cell phones would love to convince us otherwise. You simply cannot be friends with everybody. You need to make choices. You have got to say no to some people so you can say yes to others. But how do you decide? How do you know who or what to say no or yes to? I think the best way to answer that question really is to start with your loves. In his famous essay on friendship, C.S. Lewis writes that friendship is born when two people discover that they love the same thing, they share the same taste, they care about the same truth. The typical expression of opening friendship is something like, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. It may be a common religion, common studies, a common profession, even a common recreation. The man who agrees with us that some question or something little regarded by others is of great importance can be our friend. That is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question Do you see the same truth would be, I see nothing and I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend. No friendship can arise. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about. And friendship must be about something, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. The friendship has to be about something. Which is why the first step in finding a friend is asking yourself the question, what do I love? I'm guessing that some of you don't actually know the answer to that question. Some of you are doing things you do not love, actually. You do them only because it seems cool or popular, but you're not happy. You hate doing it. So stop. Stop pretending. Instead, ask yourself and answer honestly, what do I love? What do I really like to do? Until you answer that question honestly, you're going to struggle to find friends. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Once you know what you love, the next step is getting out there and doing that thing you love with other people. If you love basketball, join an intramural basketball team. If you love the outdoors, sign up for an added club trip. If you love to read, join a book club. Get amongst people who love and care about the same things that you do. It's kind of like fishing, which is something I really love to do. You're not guaranteed a fish every time you go to the river, but you're certainly not going to catch a fish if you stay at home. You've got to show up. As an aside... I like to say that this room right here, RUF, is a place of unlikely friendship. In this room, there are lots of different people with lots of different interests. Most of you come from different states. You're studying different majors. You have different hobbies. Only one person skis at Stowe. (laughs) But there is at least one thing that everyone in this room has in common. At least one thing. Everyone in this room is curious about Jesus or is committed to Jesus and wants to figure out 
if he's legit, what it means to follow him. And if that is important to you, the odds are really, really, really good that you're going to find someone else in this room who cares about that too, who's interested in that as well. And that is a great basis for a friendship. That will take you places. Megan had a group like this, like RUF in college. She has amazing friendships from her times uh, at Davidson College. We get together with her friends, who are now my friends. I, I got adopted, or I adopted them, right? Uh, but uh, we get together with her friends at least once a year. Uh, her college experience was different from mine. Uh, I have some really good friends now, but I don't have many friends uh, from my time in college. Uh, in college, what I loved was smoking pot and drinking beer. And sure enough, I found other people who loved that too. Right? Getting high, getting drunk is what our friendship was about. And that's not the, basis, the best basis for a friendship, but that's what it was. Well, what do you all think happened when I decided I don't want to get high or I don't want to get drunk anymore? Well, the friendship ceased to exist because that's what the friendship was about, right? You take that away and there's nothing left, which is why my senior year, I sadly realized that I didn't have many friends. I had a lot of drinking buddies. I imagine that at least some of you can relate to this, which is why I want to ask you, what happens to your friendship when you take away the weed and the natty light? I do the people you're spending time with actually know you? And do you actually know them? It's not just that having friends is important. Who you choose to be your friends is important. Your choice of friends has the power to make your life or to break it. It's been said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Think about that for a second. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And that's a biblical notion. You can't see it up here, but I'm going to read it for you. <laughs> Proverbs 13:20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffer harm. And Proverbs 27:17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You are who you hang out with. And if you don't like who you are or are becoming, you need to change the people you spend the most time with. Iron sharpens iron. You cannot grow, you cannot become sharp you cannot become the person that God wants you to be all by yourself in isolation. The people around you are going to mold you and they're going to shape you. And that's why you should be wise. That's why you should be careful. Because they're either going to lift you up or they're going to drag you down. They're either going to make you sharp or they're going to make you dull. The bottom line is this. Your friendships are important. So why not give them the time and energy they deserve? Right? Make them a priority when you're coming up with your schedule. Do not pack your schedule so full that you do not have the time to do the things that you love and to do them with other people. 
If you graduate college with a 4-0 but have no friends, you will have failed. You will have gotten straight A's and flunked life. So don't do that. Don't be like me. Seriously. Not in this regard. Make your friends a priority. At this point, you probably get the importance of friendship. I've stressed this. Right? But how do you know you have the makings of a good friend? What are the characteristics of a really good friendship? The Bible has four clues, sort of four marks, signs of the makings of a really good friend. The first is this, it's constancy. The first mark of a really good friend is constancy. 1824, one last time. A man of many companions comes to ruin. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We've already touched on this point, so I'm not going to belabor it, but the Bible recognizes the difference between a Facebook friend and a true friend. A companion is glad to party with you. You're going to take lots of selfies with your companion, and you're going to put them up on Instagram. But when you get hit by a car or you land yourself in a hospital, your companion's not going to show up. They will ghost you. A true friend sticks closer than a brother. A true friend is there for you. They're not there just to party with you. They're there to weep with you too. To rejoice when you're rejoicing and to weep when you weep. They are with you on the good days as well as the bad. Which is simply to say is they're constant. The second mark of a really good friend is that they're forgiving. A good friend is constant. A good friend is also forgiving. Proverbs 17.9 Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. I want you to do this with me. I want you to put your hands together like this. Come on, do it. Start rubbing them together really, really fast. Come on, Dee, you can do faster. (laughs) What are you all feeling right now? Heat. Heat. Yeah, how long do you think you could do this before it becomes unbearable and you can just... Kyler's going to try. He's going to chafe. He's going to bleed. If you kept going at that pace, right? All right, that's good. <laughs> it hurts, right? When, when you can't do that very long before you feel some intense heat and before some pain. If you were to keep going like that, your skin would begin to crack and blood would begin to drip down your arms and eventually enough would be enough and you're like I can't do this any longer but what would happen if I covered your hands in oil just lots and lots of hand lotion how long hypothetically how long do you think you could do that for a lot longer right? you could almost go indefinitely and this is the idea right the Bible talks about forgiveness as a covering right uh, something that uh, you would, it, it's a covering of an offense. When two people's lives come together, right, if a true friend sticks closer than a brother, it means that the, you're going to like come into contact and you're going to start doing life together and just naturally that's going to produce friction. Just naturally that's going to produce heat. After all, we're porcupines, right? We're sinners. We are going to hurt one another. It's not a matter of if, it really is a matter of when. 
And if you're going to go the distance, if you're really going to be friends for life, you're going to have to figure out a way to deal with that heat, to deal with that pain. Otherwise, you're just going to break apart and say, I can't do this anymore. I can't. And you're just going to go from one friendship to another because you can't do it. If you are going to do this and do this for life, you've got to learn how to lubricate your relationships with love, with forgiveness. You need to learn how to cover them, to cover an offense. A good friend is constant. A good friend is forgiving. Thirdly, a good friend speaks the truth in love. A good friend speaks the truth in love. Proverbs 25 or 27, verses 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know you've got a good friend when he or she comes to you and tells you when you're being a jerk. You know you've got a good friend when they will speak up when they see you hurting yourself or hurting other people. Confrontation is often a sign that that person really cares. They care enough about you and the relationship to say something, even at the risk of you being mad at them. Heaven forbid. Better to say something and you be mad or they be mad at you than to say nothing and watch them hurt and hurt themselves. The truth is is we don't like conflict very much. The truth is is that confrontation scares us. But when you say, I love that person too much to tell them the truth, what you really mean is, I love myself too much to have to go through that. That's what you really mean. You care more about yourself than you do about your friend. You don't want to rock the boat lest you get wet. You are not being a friend in that moment. You are being a coward. You know the makings of a good friend when they step outside their comfort zone because it is uncomfortable right, to tell you a truth that you need to hear. You know you've got a true friend when they help you see and help you deal with your blind spots. A good friend is constant, is forgiving, speaks the truth in love, and fourthly, is safe with your secrets. A good friend is safe with your secrets. Proverbs 16.28, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Nothing will ruin a relationship faster than whispering. Gossip. If you hear somebody sharing somebody else's secrets, be careful because that person's probably sharing your secrets too. If you hear somebody gossiping about other people, be careful because they're probably talking about you when you're not around. That's not how a good friend acts. A good friend is going to stab you in the front, right? They're going to stab you in the front. They're going to speak the truth and love to your face. But because they love you enough to stab you in the front, you know what that means? They're not going to stab you in the back. It means that they are going to have your back. They are safe with your secrets. That they're trustworthy. You want people to stab you in the front, not the back. A good friend is constant. A good friend will say sorry and show forgiveness. A good friend loves you enough to confront you when you need confronting. 
A good friend has your back. Well, as I go through this list, I suspect that you have two thoughts and feelings. The first thought feeling is longing. I really wish that I had a friend like this. Or maybe guilt would be the second. I wish I was a friend like this. But I want to conclude tonight by answering both of these things, your longing and your guilt. And I want to answer it by introducing or reintroducing you to the person of Jesus. And here's why. Jesus satisfies your longings and he covers your guilt and shame. Jesus really is your best friend. He is the friend that you have always wanted. And when you receive his friendship, you will learn from him how to be a good friend again in that order. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, Tonight I no longer call you servants. Tonight I call you friends. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Do you hear what he said? Before you chose him, Jesus chose you. He loves you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be your friend. He's chosen you. And like a good friend, he's got your best interests at heart. Jesus is constant. He's always there for you. Behold, he says, I'm with you always, right to the very end of the age. Heights, depths, day, night, good days, bad. Jesus is with you and he is for you all the time. He's constant. Jesus is forgiving and he's confrontational. On the cross, Jesus died that your sins would be covered so that they would be forgiven. But Jesus doesn't want you just to know this objectively. He wants you to experience it subjectively. And this is why he confronts you. This is why he stabs you in the front and says, you are a sinner. You are sin sick. But come to me and I will make you well. See, Jesus loves you too much to keep quiet. He loves you too much to let you persist in your sin, which is why he's constantly calling out to you and calling you to repent, to change course, and to come to him, to come home, to receive and believe in his name. He speaks the truth to you in love. And finally, Jesus has got your back. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, he says. And this is what he does for us. He's got our back. You see, the cross tells an ugly truth. It screams a secret out loud that our sins are deadly and many and that they destroy life. They took Jesus's. But the cross tells us another story, a love story for the joy that was set before him, the joy of being reconciled to you, of being with you, of being your friend. Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame. See, Jesus is with you. He forgives you. He is for you. He's got your back. Your secrets are safe with him. He proves his worth over and over. 
He really is your best friend. He's the friend that you've always wanted. And he's the friend that you really need. But the way friendship works is that you've got to choose him too. He's given his life for you in love. But I invite you tonight to give yourself and friendship back to him. That's not just my invitation. That really is his. Let's pray.